Good morning. Uh, it's great to be with you again, and this is uh, part two of um, uh, a message which I began last week. If you didn't hear last week's message, I'd encourage you to go and listen to that. But we're uh, looking at behold, he is coming with the clouds. And uh, I, I just want to start by reading from Revelations chapter 1. Uh, the lens in which we're reading through, uh, which you should read through Revelations, but as you look to him coming again, this is the lens from verse 5b, Revelations chapter 1. It says, to him who loves us. Oh, how much God loves you. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins. By his blood, how much it cost Jesus to free us. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. That's the lens we're looking at. And uh, last week we went to Matthew chapter 24, 25, and we're there again today. That's our main text. <clears throat> and I'm not going to go over last week. But uh, this is a, a time where Jesus is talking to his disciples and the disciples ask him, when are these things going to happen? And he, and he tells them three things essentially. When I'm coming, why I'm coming, and how to spend your life until I come. And last week we looked at uh, when he's coming, no one knows, but we know the signs and times. Why he's coming, well, it's to save his people, to gather his people, and to judge all mankind. And today, we want to look at Jesus as he's talking to them about, well, until I come, how do I want you to spend your life? <clears throat> and so we're, on, we're in Matthew again, uh, and... I want us to begin thinking about, as I like to start with a question, I have a question for you today. In your mind, how does a faithful servant of Jesus live? When you think about faithful servants of Jesus, in your mind, how does someone like that live? And I ask that because between Matthew 24, verse 31, where Jesus gathers his people, and, where, and Matthew 25, verse 31, where he's going to judge all mankind, Jesus has three parables or three stories to talk about how he wants his disciples to spend the time until he comes. So he's saying, I'm coming, I'm going to gather my people, I'm going to judge all mankind, but until then, this is how I want you to live. And so let's pick it up in verse 36. And I just want to make two observations from these three parables. Um, and the first observation is, be ready, Jesus says. Be ready for my time. Live expecting me to return. That's our first observation. And so verse 36, we read, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. We covered that last week. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. And then he goes on, he says, For as... Were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. 
For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. Are you awake? Stay awake, for you do not know, there it is again, on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had have known in which part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Be ready, Jesus says. You don't know when I'm going to return. But as I thought through this parable, I thought, is Jesus saying when he comes, he's like a thief? Well, Jesus talks a little bit about the days of Noah and what people were doing then, eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. It doesn't seem so bad, does it? Well, it doesn't, but we find more about the details of the days of Noah in Genesis. And there's one particular verse in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, that sheds a lot of light on what Jesus is saying here in Matthew. And in Genesis 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let, Let me read that again and think about this in context of Matthew 24. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. See what Jesus is saying back in Matthew 24? Do you see the link? In the days of Noah, people had no regard for God or his will or his ways. No regard at all. They were wicked and they followed the desires of their heart and and evil reigned. And Jesus calls the thief something in Matthew 24. Sorry. Jesus calls the devil something in Matthew 24. He calls him a thief. And in John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So what am I getting at? When Jesus says, stay awake... In Matthew 24, he's saying, be aware of the devil. Don't let the devil invade your life, invade your house. Like the master that stayed awake to stop the devil, do everything you can to stop the devil invading your life, your home. Because I'm coming again. That's what Jesus is saying about. So how can we stay awake? Jesus says, stay awake. The time's coming. Some will go. I'll gather my people. Are you ready? It's like a thief coming to steal from you. So how do we be ready? Well, let me ask you this. How would you spend this afternoon if you knew Jesus Christ was going to walk into the front door of your home and say, honey, I'm home. How would you spend this afternoon? I know what I'd be doing. I'd be going home to to clean through. I'd be picking up the dog poo in the backyard. 
I'd be mowing the lawn. I'd be cleaning things up, getting things ready. Might, might even prepare a good meal, get some cold drinks happening. It's the same with your life. Jesus is saying, clean up your mess. Be ready. Get rid of anything that stinks or is putrid to God. So what sin do you need to get rid of out of your life? Deal with it to do today. Uproot it. Confess it to a brother or sister. Deal with it. Get rid of anything that stinks. And what activities are you involved in that dishonour God? Stop them immediately. Wake up, Jesus says. Don't give the devil any more real estate in your life. That's what Jesus is talking about. So the greatest motivation that will prepare you to stay awake, to clean up your life, is an intimate and warm and close personal relationship with Jesus himself. And that is what Jesus is talking about in the next parable of the ten virgins. virgins. Jesus says, stay awake, be ready, clean up your life. The Bible talks about that in terms of sanctification. Sanctify yourself. Even our Lord prayed for his people that they would sanctify themselves. Be ready. Matthew 25, I want to keep reading. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet their bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, And the foolish said to the wise, Give up some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will be not enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. There it is again. We don't know the day or the hour. Be ready. Five foolish virgins, five wise ones. But again, what is Jesus talking about in this parable here? Jesus is talking about the relationship that he wants to have with his bride, you and me. And verse 12 in chapter 25 gives us a clue to this. He says to the foolish virgins, he says, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. That talks about the relationship that he has with them or doesn't have with them. So today, does Jesus know you? Yeah, he he created you. He knows you. (laughs) But what I mean is, have you made yourself known to Jesus? Um, Does he know you because he created you? Or does he know you because you spend time with him and have a natural, personal, intimate relationship with him? Five foolish virgins were not ready for the groom. They weren't known by Jesus. 
The wise one knew their groom. They knew it may be a while. They took extra oil and they cherished their oil. They didn't give it away. Every time you spend time with Jesus is you filling up the oil of your lamp. You're filling your life with the knowledge and presence of Jesus himself, the light of your life. So as you spend time with Jesus, you're getting to know him and you're being known by him. In doing so, you're going to be prepared to meet him face to face. When I go away for work sometimes, um, uh, I just don't say, see you later, guys, and have nothing to do until I come back. I talk with Shelley on the phone. I send messages. We, we chat over email. Um, Shelley knows roughly the time I'm going to be home, but she doesn't know the, the exact minute. And when I get home of the night, the, the light's on, and I think, ah, oh, my bride has prepared for my homecoming. And it's beautiful. So to be ready for Jesus, you have a responsibility to invest in your relationship with him. And then when you meet him face to face, when he returns, you're not meeting him as a stranger or someone you don't know or the almighty God that's distant. You're meeting him as a person that you already have a relationship with, that you speak to, that you spend time with, listening to. How much time do you personally spend with Jesus? Or is life just too busy for that? How does Jesus want us to live until he returns? First of all, be ready, he says. Clean up your life or, or sanctify yourself. And then he goes on, spend time with me. So to be ready, sanctify your life, spend time with Jesus. First observation, be ready. And it's only through spending time with Jesus that you know what he wants you to do and spend your days. And that's really the whole point about this third parable that Jesus talks about. And the second observation I want to make is, yes, we need to be ready, but second, be busy. You say, well, Aaron, didn't you just say you need to spend time with Jesus? Yes. What I mean is be busy about God's business. And that's the point of the parable of the talents. You see the flow here? Jesus is saying, I'm coming. Okay? How do I want you to spend your life? Sanctify yourself. Spend time with me. Now he's going to talk about service as servants. Parable of the talents, verse 14 of chapter 25. <clears throat> For it will be like, his return will be like, a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of the, those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. 
His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into my joy of your master. And he also, he who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into my joy, the joy of your master. He who also had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine and interest. So take the talent from which, uh, from him, sorry, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, for to everyone who has, will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. <clears throat> what servant do you want to be? <laughs> the lazy one or the faithful one? <clears throat> Just by the response, I want to be the faithful one. So what is Jesus saying here? Is this parable about working hard to earn more of God's favour and blessing? I don't believe so. Remember what Jesus has just spoken about early in chapter 24. There's turmoil and heartache coming, but... The gospel is going to be proclaimed throughout the whole world to all nations. Okay? And Jesus is saying that he has given you, you and me in this room, he's given you, his servant, particular talents and gifts. And I think the key is verse 15, where he says, the amount of talent God gives you is according to your ability. What does it mean according to our ability? Well, your ability is your willingness to faithfully and obediently use the talents and gifts God gives you for the sake of his gospel and his kingdom work. Okay? And Jesus points out that God rewards those who faithfully steward the talents entrusted to them. God gives more talents to faithful servants. Why? So they sow more into his kingdom work and activity. And so Jesus isn't talking about prosperity gospel here in the parable of the talents. The, the prosperity gospel says, I will give so that I receive more for my own personal benefit. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And that's how this passage is used sometime. Jesus is saying in this parable that when you faithfully invest into the kingdom of God, your talents that he gives you, 
He gives you more, so you will sow more into the gospel and kingdom work and ministry. You see the link? Who did Jesus, who did God give the one talent of the unfaithful servant to? Another wicked servant that's going to bury it? No. He gave it to the good and faithful servant who had been a good steward. If you talk to good investors, good investors will invest the resources they have into investments to get the highest return for their investment. It's the same with God, right? Who is God going to intentionally place additional talents and gifts to? He's going to give them to those who are faithful, obedient, trustworthy, good stewards who have their mindset on God's kingdom agenda to see the gospel proclaimed throughout the whole world. That's what Jesus is talking about here. So this, this parable of the talents is about using the resources and the opportunity God gives you to see his kingdom spread throughout the whole universe. Universe, world. <laughs> so I want you to talk, think about your, the resources that God has entrusted to you. And immediately you may be thinking of money. That's one resource. Well, fundamentally, when you think about your money, think about your spending and your giving. And do you go to God for his approval as to how you spend your money? This week, Shelley and I were praying and fasting and, and asking God for his approval about a particular expenditure that we were thinking about making. But it's not about just the big expenditures, it's about the little ones too, when you go to Macca's or when you don't go to Macca's or... What's the little expenditures? Do you seek God's approval for the spending of his talents that he's entrusted to you? And then your giving. Do you ask God to direct your giving and uh, the percentage of your giving or who you give it to? Shelley and I, each year, we, we go through an exercise in increasing the percentage that we're giving into the Lord's kingdom. And you know what? We have never gone without a meal around our table. We've always been able to pay our bills. And God is faithful to his word and he has always provided our daily needs. Think about the resource of money. But another resource is your home. How do you use your home to see the, the work of God's kingdom spreading? Um, do, you, do you have an open door for your neighbours to come and chat and spend time with? Do you, could you use your home to, to run a, a small group? And maybe God's been challenging you in that recently. How can you use your home to be a blessing to others? Um, do you have a room that missionaries can stay in as they're travelling through? Uh, can you cook a meal to be part of the meal train? Or can you have people under your dining table to have a meal with to talk about the gospel and God's kingdom work? How can you use your home? We all live in a home. How can you use God's home for his purpose? Another resource, and probably the most expensive resource we all have, is our time. How do you invest the time that God has entrusted to you? <clears throat> if you did an audit of your last month, how do you actually spend or invest the time God has given you to his kingdom? We have a multitude of ministries here at the church that all need workers <laughs> and volunteers to participate. You could be involved in that from an hour a week to many hours a week. <clears throat> I know students who <clears throat> invest their lunch times 
and, and have a Bible study at their local school <clears throat> to win souls for Christ. I know retirees who have committed their uh, last days. Can I have a drink, please, Dale? <clears throat> um, to <clears throat> invest in God's kingdom work. Uh, how are you using... Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Sorry, Linda. Uh, to use for God's work. <clears throat> um, I know businessmen who have committed a day or two a week to grow uh, and serve their local church or be part of gospel ministry. I heard this week that 70% of church ministry workers and missionaries surveyed have a deep sense of isolation and loneliness. How can you use some of your time during the week to encourage ministers? <laughs> Thanks for your time, brother. Uh, <clears throat> how can you encourage people who are, are serving and giving of their time, uh, our scripture teachers, whoever, and maybe God's calling you into full-time ministry. Don't resist that. I know the challenge and the struggle to make that decision. Take a step of faith. Be faithful to God's talent of time. And most importantly, all of us can give time in prayer. Luke 10 verse 2 says, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. I said a few weeks ago, I've got my alarm set for two past ten every day and I pray for labourers for the harvest. All of us can give a few minutes every day to pray. Your resources. What about the opportunities God gives you? <clears throat> what about the job opportunity that God gives you where you're employed? How are you using that to see God's kingdom advance, to share your life with others and to be a witness? The trip opportunity that God gives you, the people you're going to meet along the way, how can you use that? The clubs and the social groups you're a part of. God sent you into those clubs and social groups to be a witness for him, not just to have a good time. You're going to have a great time. But how can you influence those in those social groups and clubs you're a part of for Christ? Your family situation your friends, how are you using that? If you're a parent, how are you taking the opportunity to extend the kingdom of God through your children, ready-made disciples under the roof of your house? Your marriage, how are you using your marriage to serve God together? Your singleness, there are single people across the world doing a fantastic work for the sake of God. They're using their talent of singleness. Oh, I could keep going on and on. This church... Another opportunity for you, your ministry, your small group. How can you use what's been entrusted to you for the sake of seeing the gospel proclaimed throughout the world? Remember, Revelations. He loves us. He's freed us by his blood. He has made us his kingdom priests to God the Father. You are a priest in the kingdom of God. God has given you the role to be his witness, his ministry worker, his ambassador, with the resources he's given you, with the opportunities he provides, he has sent you to be a witness in the world today, to represent him amongst the people. So 
I want you to see the flow here. I'm going to wrap it up now with the final verse. <clears throat> but this is so important to Jesus. He doesn't want us to waste our life. He wants us to use it for his sake, his kingdom. And it's so important to Jesus that the last words he said before ascending into heaven, he died on the cross, rose again, appeared to many over 40 days, and the last words he says before going to heaven, just listen to these words. Acts 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Still on their mind. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power, another gift from God. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness. Why was the gift given? To be his witness. In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Jesus is saying, look, don't worry about when my kingdom will be established, when I'm coming back, returning. Just be about my work. Invest your days wisely. Be busy about my business. And, and then goes on in verse 9. And when he had said these things and they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And they, while they were all gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Behold, he's coming. <laughs> Be ready. Be busy about his business. What action do you need to take? How is God challenging you to be a good and faithful servant? I just want to give you a moment of silence now, just to spend time with the Lord. Go, Lord, what in my life do I need to change to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant.